This podcast is being recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to elders past and present and acknowledge their ongoing connection to land, waters, and culture. Colonization and genocide are ongoing processes that continue to this day. Sovereignty was never ceded. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Hey everybody, and welcome back to Ozpol Snackpod, the weekly podcast where two of Australia's foremost political nobodies bring you bite-sized chunks of Australian politics and news with a healthy serving of memes. My name's Noon, and with me is my co-host... Hey, Zach the Snack. What's up, everybody? How you going, Noon? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Um, this has been a, a, an interesting week for news. It's the end of Parliament for the year. Uh, it was the last sitting week this week, and that means it's kind of like, you know, we've talked about on the show before how the you know government or whoever will often release reports at like 5 p.m. on a Friday, because mm. in the 70s, that meant that people didn't report on them very effectively. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But this week is basically the 5 p.m. on Friday of the year. Uh, mm. All of the big journos, like... Yeah, Brand name journalists are going on holiday for the next couple months till Parliament's back. Um, so the government's just like done a bunch of shit this week and hope everyone's forgotten yeah. about it by next year. No, and it's I think it's fine for the journalists to go on holiday because, as we know, politics begins and ends when Parliament sits, and yes. that's the only time that politics or news happens. Um, which, like, I make that joke, but we are going to be talking a lot about um, Parliament stuff this week because they yeah, yeah they crammed in a whole lot of politics <laughs> yes and we of uh crappy parliamentary politics but politics nonetheless and we do have uh, an extremely full show so i'm gonna jump right into our entree but unfortunately zach I- i'm i've got an entree for our entree while i was doing research i discovered a whole extra story that i couldn't not mention so i, I- oh. i've got a-, a bonus entree here a- an oh, wow. amuse-bouche okay. before the uh, right. the the soup um well, you know is- how i how i feel about amuse-bouches yeah you know how i love about i love a little finger food well, the, the Joint Standing Committee on Electoral Matters has released a report into the 2019 election, which, holy shit, the election was only last year. Like, fuck. It, yeah, it feels wild. a lot longer away than that. But, yeah. Uh, and basically, the committee recommended removing compulsory voting and introducing voter ID rules, uh, both of which are, like, extremely fucked and are, like, the two main things that means the Australian, like, voting system is significantly less fucked than the American one. Um, yeah, I was going to say, aren't those aren't those the two like comparatively good things that we have? Yep, literally. Uh, and so, yeah, watch this space for next year for the government to try and push through some changes here. There's a very sinister wow. quote from the end of the foreword that I wanted to. Um... Sorry, what was that wow about? Oh, just it's a that's cra- a wild, it's a wild shit. Yeah, it's Changing pretty voting was the fuck are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, anyway, there's this line at the end of the foreword from the report that I wanted to finish this mini entree on because it's it, it sounded very sinister and, like, it's meant to be, like, pro-democracy or whatever, but it's just creepy as fuck. It said, We sleep safely in our beds, protected from the claws of the banality of evil because we decide who governs. These reforms are about empowering further the voter. Governments and democracies should always be wary of the voter. Long may it be so. <laughs> Like, wait, we decide who governs, but you're the government, my dude. Like, you—that's not what. 
Anyway, the these reforms about the bana- um, banality of evil. Yeah, I don't think he knows what the banality of evil is. If that's how he's using that phrase, but no. also, also like these reforms do not empower the voter; they disempower. Are uh, very voters. the opposite. In fact, we have like quite a large sample size of an experiment that shows exactly how these things would fuck voters over. Yeah. Also, in the foreword, it's funny because they're like Australia is the most successful and longest democracy in the world not longest but like you know it's one of the oldest and most successful in the world and it's because of our excellent system let's completely ruin it um so anyway uh i mean when you put it like that it sounds much less surprising yeah uh okay so let's get on to our actual entree which is that the federal liberal liberal government has introduced uh an industrial relations omnibus bill it's actually called the supporting australia's jobs and economic recovery act um, oh yeah, nothing. There couldn't be anything sinister in there. No, and of course, omnibus just means like a bunch of stuff. So this is like a, a sweeping reforms to in, uh, um, industrial relations. So uh, a lot of people are comparing it to work choices, the like Howard policy that uh, mm. fuck the country. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so so this is like the the libs doing you know work choices light basically and justifying it on the basis of coronavirus. So what is all of the stuff in this omnibus bill? It's basically all terrible, as you'd expect. So they're changing the definition of a casual employee to basically be if your boss says you're a casual. Uh, and to if cool. you've been... No problems there. No. If you've been misclassified as a casual when you're actually a permanent employee, uh, it would remove the option to seek back pay um, if you then get converted retrospectively to be a, a permanent position. Jesus Christ. Uh, one of the things that the government is like pushing is actually this is good for workers is that um, employers must offer casuals a permanent part-time or full-time role after one year of meeting certain criteria, except under one condition, and that condition is basically if they don't want to. Uh, and like again, like I, <laughs> I feel like I do this a lot where I'm like, uh, that sounds like an exaggeration, but it's really not. Uh, the the bill is like. This is absolutely compulsory unless you think that you might want to fire them. So, like, the law basically <laughs> says you should fire your casuals instead of giving them permanent jobs. Like, that's basically what this law is. Very on brand for liberals. Extremely on brand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, the, it also says casuals can ask to become permanent and the boss must do it unless they don't want to or unless the the employee has previously declined an offer to become permanent. So the boss could be like, hey, do you want a, a permanent full-time role? And the casual's like, nah, not at the moment, man, I'm sorry. And then they finish their uni degree and they're like, hey, could I have that permanent full-time role? And they're like, well, you said no once, you didn't so want it last fuck time. off. Yeah. What's changed, from my perspective, literally nothing. Yeah. Um, they basically cancelling overtime so the the omnibus bill would put in a provision that is basically like your boss can make you do overtime paid at normal rates um ah yeah there's like this some exemptions really to bad that. it's really bad yeah uh, uh there were some exemptions to the overtime that i couldn't quite follow because i'm not an industrial relations lawyer but um it seems like you know like there might still be some overtime sometimes but like it's a, a big get out of paying overtime free card. Yep. Yeah, and, right. Which employers already don't have. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, the, but the the last and really big one that uh, is of huge concern. I mean, all of these are of huge concern, but the really big one is they're fucking with the better off overall test, which is also known as the boot test. B O O T. Yeah. 
Do you know what the boot test is? Yeah, basically that like any change to enterprise bargaining agreements has to improve the condition of the workers compared to the industry standard. Is yeah, right? to, compared to the award rate. And so what compared happens is rate, yeah. if, um, if a union or a workplace or whatever negotiates a, an enterprise bargaining agreement and it's worse than the award, it's actually... Hello, SDA. It, yeah, hello, SDA. It's actually illegal, and retrospectively, it turns out all of those people were actually employed at the award rate, right? So yeah. if the thing fails the boot test, it doesn't exist anymore, and it never existed. And so they would be entitled to the award rate retrospectively. Yeah. So this bill will basically scrap the better off overall test. It'll be like, they have to be better off overall, except if they kind of don't want to. Um, yeah, so this is a green flag. Unless your union has deliberately organized a deal for you that is worse because yes. they are a boss's union. Yes, exactly. Hello, so, SDA again. Yeah, yeah. So um, this is a green flag for, for unions like them to sell their members down the river. Mm. Yeah. Which, again, they definitely didn't already have. Right. Like, I, <laughs> I feel like this whole bill is kind of unnecessary because no one fucking pursues employers for <laughs> crimes, you know? So Anyway. This way, it's like, you know, there's not even the threat of potential backlash mm. from workers because there's no, not even a legal leg to stand Avenue. on. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, the, the union movement has already been so kind of thoroughly dismantled mm. in this country. At this stage, it's just sort of a like, oh, stop, he's already dead <laughs> yeah. kind of moment. Like, <laughs> Yeah. This government has strong Homer Simpson beating a dead clown energy. That's true. It's got a lot of Homer Simpson energy. Like, <laughs> You're right, actually. Yeah. Um, we all love middle-aged white male mediocrity. And on that That's... note... <laughs> so, was that a segue? Excellent. To... Yeah. That, I, look, yes, now it is now. You fucked up. Uh, so this week, You Fucked Up goes to... Duncan Pegg. And uh, you're thinking, oh, Duncan. Oh, Peggy. That politician oh, who Dunky we Pego. all know and love. Yep. Um, if by some freak accident he's somehow f- slipped under your radar, he's a state Labour MP in Queensland. He's the member for Stretton, which is in South Brisbane. Gotcha. You might remember Queensland as being the state in which one Green recently won a seat of Labour. You might remember the Labour Party as being the party that collectively lost their complete shit over this. Yep. Um, so Duncan Pegg, Labour MP for Queensland, posted a Twitter poll the other day. Mm-hmm. Who will get the most mentions in the upcoming budget speech of at Amy Maxouth Briz, which is the Twitter handle of Amy McMahon, the aforementioned elected Green. The poll options were Extinction Rebellion, Jackie Trad, John Meyer. Um, and I asked you noon before we recorded yeah. if the name John Meyer means anything to you. I'm sure that the name Extinction Rebellion means something to people. Jackie Trad yeah. being the uh, now ex uh, late Queensland Labour MP uh, and also and ex ex Deputy Premier, who there was the Mean Girls tweet fiasco involving uh, Amy McMahon and a gr- Jackie. Trad. No, well, it was a Green staffer. It wasn't oh, Amy right, McMahon right, right, herself. Sorry. Um, yeah, where. You know, Labour Dirt Unit basically disingenuously tried to make it look like a green staffer was um, misogynistically sledging Jackie Trad, which definitely wasn't the case. It was yep. total garbage and a classic dirty Labour tactic. Anyway, John Meyer was a disendorsed Labour Greens candidate who was 
uh, supposed to be running in this most recent Queensland election. And then he kind of got like kicked out of the party. And he says it's for because he was speaking out against like financial malfeasance or something. Okay. And uh, the Greens kind of, well, look, uh, we didn't need to get into it, but essentially he was somebody who was kicking up a lot of stink about the Greens being like corrupt or whatever. Yeah. So Duncan Pegg is like, I'm going to, I'm creating this clever Twitter poll (laughs) with all these options about things that the Greens don't want to talk about. Uh, Anyway. He got zero votes on his poll. It's amazing. It was quite a lot of... It's... It, it was quite a ratio as well. Like, a ratio of comments to likes and retweets, but then also just, uh, like, a, a 100% ratio of votes to interactions. Like, literally zero <laughs> votes. is pretty impressive. It, no, it's amazing. And, it, like, it gets to this point where it's like, okay, after a day, you don't have any votes on your Twitter poll. That's one thing. Where over a week later, not a single vote, a whole number of comments and retweets. And one of the funny things about it to me mm. is that other Labour MPs have commented on the poll, but not voted. Not participated. Because you get, like, after a day or two of big, of there being no votes, you can't risk being the only person who voted. <laughs> That's right, 100% <laughs> for <laughs> Extinction Rebellion or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So he, he's even been, he's been left in the lurch even by other Labour MPs. And, but I saw this thinking, wow, this is fucking embarrassing. This guy seems like a total clown. Yeah. This can't be the only clown shit that he's done. And, uh, yeah... Uh, with a little bit of digging, uh, I found out that the most that the last time that he was in the news was for having a birthday party for himself in June in the middle of the <laughs> pandemic, and he was like packed, dancing with a belly dancer, Hilarious. like completely ignoring social distancing during it was, and it was like during a week at which in which uh, Anastasia Palaszczuk was like dealing with a whole lot of backlash over the strictness of the COVID regulations. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> Hilarious. And uh, I just wanted to read one quote uh, to end out, to, to round out this segment from the uh, the Queensland News Corp paper, the Courier-Mail's politics gossip column, which is called George Street Confidential, which is where presumably the Brisbane like legislative assembly is. Um, they said, quote, when he wasn't on the dance floor, Peggy was keen to jump in front of the camera with his many guests. The pictures we've obtained show Peggy with arm draped over 27 different party goers by our count. It appears the drinks were being downed faster than the waitstaff could carry off the empty bottles too. The event was held almost a month after Peggy's actual birthday, which is in June. Hilarious. Uh, (laughs) Congratulations, Duncan Pegg, on what I'm sure is the first of many wins. Mm-hmm. Of uh, and you fucked up. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe it sounds like he actually deserved um, uh, you fucked up for a couple of months ago. That we missed it, but um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's did. definitely going to be on our our radar in future. But uh, why don't we move on to our next story, Zach, which is our First Nation story? Yeah, so this was something that we wanted to cover last week and probably should have been covering in the weeks leading yeah, several up to weeks, it. Several weeks, yeah, uh, yeah, but we missed it. But th- we wanted to talk about. The Gamal Means No protests, briefly. It was a National Day of Action against the Narrabri Gas Project, a coal seam gas fracking mine from uh, oil and gas company Santos. Santos? Santos. 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 Uh, So the proposed mine is in northern New South Wales on Gomoroy country, and the project involves drilling over 850 wells over 20 years. It's a fucking major project. And... Just, I'm sure most people are 
pretty generally aware that fracking is just so environmentally destructive. Yeah. Um, aside from the fact that it has like a huge impact on the climate due to like all the escaped gas because it's a really inefficient method of gas extraction, it also presents a major threat to groundwater. So, and, and this is kind of, you know, just for anybody who's not super familiar with the details, fracking involves literally mixing toxic chemicals with water and then pumping it into the ground, creating massive pressure to crack underground rock and release the gas that's like hiding inside it. Those little gas bucks sneaking away in the rock there. The toxic fracking fluid can like run off above ground and like poison land and waterways. But mm. also the major kind of environmental risk is that it can, can contaminate underground water supplies which carries these toxic chemicals huge distances, devastating like massive areas of the environment. So, I mean, it's just like a mind-bogglingly silly idea. Yep. Uh, um, by the way, listeners, if anyone wants more fracking content, feel free to just like shoot me a message on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, and I will um I'll unleash. So you know, if yeah, if if you want extra fracking bonus pod or you know a personalized noon rant just for you you know sign up to our patreon and send me a message I no, do i'll do it like i'll do it without the cutting patreon your lunch ah, I, do, I, I do feel like i'm cutting your lunch a little bit it's speaking fine. about fracking but uh that's that's how it shook out this week mm-hmm. I mean, like, even from an economic perspective this project makes no sense mm. uh, a 2018 study found that using renewables on the same site would produce more energy using just four percent of the land wow. as the fracking project and it would also generate more long-term jobs um, and uh, I've got a quote here from the climate and energy director from the, the think tank, the Australia Institute, who says that the project will, quote, permanently lock New South Wales manufacturers yeah. into high gas prices. Uh, so as you can imagine, this environmentally destructive, economically totally unsound project was just too good for the government to pass <laughs> up. So it was given its final environmental approvals by the federal government uh, at the end of November. So, last week, on the 3rd of December, protests against the project happened in Brisbane, Sydney, and Melbourne, and there was a small one at Parliament House in Canberra as well. Um, as I said, National Day of Action. One of the organising groups was uh, Gamilaray Next Generation, who listed their demands as, we are telling Santos to get the frack off our country for the federal and state governments to abolish their cultural heritage laws that allowed this to happen, and demand for them to meet with Gomorroy and undergo proper consultation. And in terms of the name of this mm, uh, yeah. movement, Gamel means no. Um, I have a quote here from an article by Jared Field in The Guardian that I thought uh, summed it up really nicely. He's speaking about the you know, environmental devastation caused by the fossil fuel industry. Mm-hmm. He says, quote, I do not, I'm afraid, have a solution to all this. Indeed, because of it, many nights I have lost sleep. I do, ha- however, have one small gift, Gamel. It is the word, as in many East Coast First Nations, that my mob take our namesake from. Gamel means no. Otherwise put, the word we use to describe ourselves, Gamilaroi, teaches others how we decline to give consent. It also, to my mind, teaches others how to do the same. You too can say Gamel. So the next time our land, our waters, and therefore our collective future is threatened, please do not be quiet. Instead, with your words and your actions, accept this gift. Instead, firmly and with certainty, say gamel. Gamel means no. Um, so 
Santos has said that there'll be between 12 and 18 months of land appraisals before they make the final decision mm -hmm. uh, on whether to shoot an enormous amount of poison deep into the earth in order to shatter underground rocks, which will then release a bunch of gas, some of which we, they will then capture and sell for money, and yep. some of which will just go straight into the atmosphere. Uh, meaning that there's still lots of time to take action, so the campaigns will be continuing, and um, we recommend following the Gamilaroi Next Generation uh, page on Facebook for updates on that campaign. Yep. Yeah, and um, so I think uh, we've we've got sort of our next story leads in nicely and or horribly from that. So when we play that sting, it was the best of takes. It was the blurst of takes. You stupid monkey! <laughs> and this is both a, a blessed take and a blurst take um, because the the federal parliament. Um, this week released the interim report for their inquiry into the destruction of Jukan Gorge by Rio Tinto, which is a story that we've covered um, most weeks for the last few months since it happened, and I'm sure all of our listeners know know what happened. Um, but yeah, so this report is, you know, it's a blessed take and a blessed take, because they do make some reasonably good recommendations, and they're definitely, like, you know, trying to try... Uh, but they also, I feel like, have completely failed to understand what the issue is. Uh, the, the title of the report is Never Again, which is just, like, laughably, transparently bullshit, because, like, see the previous story, right? Like, there's, they're like, never again will we destroy indigenous sacred land for the sake of some quick bucks. Hey, Santos, do you want to just, like, uh, frack real quick? Um, for the next, like, couple decades? Never right. again will we continue to have stolen this land and profit from its theft. Except always. Just uh, literally for all time, yeah. Yeah. And, like, it's so... Like, this report is could only have been written by someone who needs to self-aggrandize their own, like, performance of apology without actually doing anything. So, Or, or without acknowledging that their entire, like job as a parliamentarian is based on dispossessed Yeah, I mean, land you did and... say that this was a report, so... Yes, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll just read the first sentence of the foreword, because again, I feel like the hyperventilating is just like... Oh. I mean, it's not hyperventilating. Like, it's, it, it's, it's on some... It's a completely appropriate degree of... Of ventilating. Of ventilating. It's just like, they have no self-awareness of the irony of their own in incompetence and inability to do anything. Mm. Anyway, so they say, never again can we allow the destruction, the devastation and the vandalism of cultural sites as occurred within, uh, with the Jukan Gorge. Never again, exclamation mark. And I feel like they really had to, like, restrain themselves to not put an exclamation mark in the title of the report. <laughs> but yeah, like, I mean, obviously you and I agree with that sentiment, like, never again can we allow that. But how myopic do you have to be to pretend that this report means literally anything when the entire country is built on genocide and the entire government budget is based on destroying indigenous land yeah uh, well yeah. they definitely don't mean never again will we dispossess or never again will we commit cultural genocide yeah never again will we continue to extract fossil fuels out of this country that we have stolen that's yeah. not what they mean they mean never again will we get caught doing something that makes most of the country really upset with us. Yep. Like, yep. that's it's what this true. is about. And that's, that you know, that's why this whole Duke and Gorge conversation is so frustrating. We've tried to contextualize this, like, 
incident before saying, yeah, it's fucked. Yes, people should be held accountable for it. But also, it's just one symptom of an absolutely, completely broken colonial system. Like, that's... Mm, mm. Yep. It's, you know, it's part of a much larger thing. And, like, these sort of focusing on these individual events can't help but feel a little bit like a distraction from talking about the Mm. broader issue here. Mm. Yeah, well, I I do want to go into the recommendations that the report made because they are decent, um, though, in my opinion, there's a very low chance of most of them happening. So the first one, which probably will happen to some extent, is some financial restitution. So the report doesn't have an amount um, that they recommend, but various commentators have been talking about something in the realm of $250 million, um, about double the estimated value of the iron ore that Rio Tinto was planning of taking from the site they destroyed. Um that 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 would be paid to the PKKP people, the traditional owners of Jokan Gorge. Um, the report also said Rio should rebuild the caves uh, and like and pay for it. Which, like, sure, I can see why that like came up as an idea. But like, they're gonna. It's not gonna actually be you the same caves, is it? Like, that's... it's not like building a new house when someone's house fell down. And like, I'm not saying it's a bad idea. I'm just like, it, it sounds to me kind of like a bad idea. I mean. Like, you can't repair that. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. thousands and thousands of years of cultural history. You can't, like, this is uh, this is irreversible damage that is constantly being done by this industry. Mm. You can't pretend that, like, oh, yeah, well, like, you know, dig a massive mine, fill it in with water, bada boom, bada bing, that's a lake, a lake now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, hey, <laughs> no environmental destruction. That's not how it works. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. And well, like, I mean, one of the reasons I think this is good is that, like, blowing up a network of caves does have a really big impact on the geography and, like, water table and whatever, whatever. So, like, this, w- the report was like, and and in particular, well, like, it has to be done under the supervision of the traditional owners, but also, like, um, it should be done in a way that, like, returns the waterways to how they were before and that sort of thing. So, like, sure. I think there's some, like, legitimate like rejuvenation slash repairing that can be done and then there's like a quite from my point of view silly idea of like building this monument on top of it that's meant to look like what was there before anyway uh there's more recommendations so rio should commit to a quote permanent moratorium on mining in the jukan gorge which would be quote negotiated with the traditional owners but like what if they negotiate for more mining, like, and that contradicts the report. Or, like, also, the report says that this agreement would be, quote, respected by all mining companies, which they want <laughs> the PKK people stuff. to negotiate a deal with Rio that then all of the other mining companies will agree by. Like, that doesn't really make sense to me as a proposal. Like, I, I get the general idea of what they're saying. They're like, PKK people should decide what happens, they'll tell Rio everyone else will agree to do that as well. But, like, that, it's a weird suggestion. I don't know in what way that would be binding, but also, like, this is exactly what I was talking about before, like, permanent moratorium on mining in the Duke and Gorge, specifically. Like, that's... Right, Oh, yeah, right. yeah you know, that, like... It's not you like already all of the destroyed Pilbara. the sacred sites there. Yeah. You should put a fucking permanent moratorium on... On the <laughs> places like, that you haven't done yet. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they called for an independent review into Rio Tinto's consultation processes, which, like, see previous episodes for why is consultation an inherently flawed 
process. Uh, and there's actually a really good article in the conversation that I might link about this whole Jukan Gorge situation that talks about consultation and like make a decision and then consult or whatever. Yeah. So another another recommendation is to remove any gag orders and restrictions on traditional owners that have been part of contracts with mining companies. Um, they've also said Rio should stop using the West Australian law that lets you apply to ignore heritage status, which is called Section 18. And incidentally, if you search Section 18 WA, the top result is the page that has the form to apply for exemptions so that you oh can destroy First Nation land. Despite yes. like the, the dozens and dozens of articles about this that have just popped up in the last couple of weeks, if you search for that, it's just the Western Australian government being like, want to blow up some ancient land um we got the form for you right here so yeah so, they're so saying- much of this stuff is just like you should stop doing all this completely fuck stuff that you're legally doing yeah like rem- the gag orders thing in particular is like what the fuck like <laughs> what like why does this even need to be said like, yeah it, anyway it's yeah very yeah, frustrating so, so Sorry. this federal government oh, it's fine this federal government report is saying rio should stop using that law but also the West Australia should change that law and stop approving applications for this exemption until such time as the law ceases to exist. And then their other recommendation is like, hey, all of you other mining companies, just do what we said that Rio should do, please, as well. Uh, and then they also were like, the federal government should actually have guidelines for how the states do heritage, uh, which it's fucked that they don't. Yep. Yeah, Wow. Oh, or like it's super minimal. Uh, but yeah, that's why yeah. Western Australia has this like weird, I'd call it a loophole, but it's not. Uh, whereas, you know, other other states don't or have different processes. But anyway. Right. Yeah. So that's that's the report. That's the blessed take and the blessed take. As I say, some of those recommendations are pretty good. Some of them are maybe good, but silly. Um, I also think the good ones are just like, Stop doing this fucked thing. Yes, as I said, very little chance most of these will be implemented because they would basically undermine the entire, like, Australian government and economy. And there's no way they're going to do that. As it currently exists. As it currently exists. We can imagine a better one which doesn't rely on (laughs) dispossession and colonization. (laughs) We don't even need to. It existed for a long time. But yes. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty fucked. Hey? <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, well, all speaking right. of pretty fucked, we've got a, a double, a double fucked. Fashy Australia. Yeah, so much fashy shit happening this week that um, we've got a little yeah, two refreshing cans of fashy Australia. So first up, one, one in each hand. Wait, that's right. I'm double parked with fascism. Um, Hmm. So uh, first up, I wanted to talk about um, some uh, an update on the fucked new powers that uh, Home Affairs Minister and I suspect owner of some antique Nazi memorabilia, Peter Dutton, <laughs> wants to give to ASIO. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those powers are involved being allowed to interrogate 14-year-old kids if approved by the Attorney General. They could eject lawyers from questioning sessions. What the fuck? And they could jail journalists for up to five years for refusing to reveal their sources. What the fuck? Um, yeah, Jesus no. Christ. I mean, and Dutton's been trying to get these yeah. laws through for a while. They've been in committee. Um, and... Anyway, these laws, depending on which article you read, either floated or sailed through the lower house with cool. Labour's support, of course. 
Labor had proposed a couple of minor amendments which wouldn't have had any kind of material effect on the bill, really, but they were voted down yep, immediately. Anyway, yeah. um, and uh, when it was being debated, leader of the Greens, Adam Bant, said, quote, this last-minute piece of legislation is being rushed through and should send a shiver down the spine of people who think that Australia is a place where you have the right, provided that you're not breaking the law, you have the right to go about your business freely. Um, and he said the legislation would give the Attorney General, quote, unfettered power and told Labor they should vote the bill down if their amendments didn't pass. Labor passed the bill anyway. Of course they did. Yeah. Uh, in a response to those um, comments from Adam Bant, Peter Dutton called him, quote, an enemy of the state, which is pretty <laughs> mask off shit. Like, it's very funny. <laughs> that's I mean, quite... It's, like, it's coming on- from the actual Home Affairs Minister... That's quite a heavy accusation. Yeah, I, I said it's pretty funny, and that's only because I don't actually think Bant is likely to be arrested by the cops. Like, like I, I, like I don't think Peter Dutton's going to follow through on this, though. I'm sure he earnestly believes it um, that Dutton is like a, a criminal terrorist or whatever. But like, it's pretty that's basically funny. his position. It's like an hey, elected he, like, MP, ha- enemy of the state. It's ridiculous. Hey, yeah, well, he had to... you want good public transport. You're a fucking seditious criminal. You dirty like... lefties are too easy. Um, anyway, well, he was made to retract the comment because... <laughs> Obviously, yeah. <laughs> there are some things that this parliament just won't stand for, and that's being rude to other politicians. Um, he <laughs> it's also the um, only thing that they won't stand yeah. for. Yeah. <laughs> In the same comments, um, Peter Dunnan also complimented the chair and deputy chair of the security committee, who are from the Liberal and the Labour Party, respectively, as quote two absolutely patriotic and professional MPs. Um, you got to love some solidarity between the flibs and the flabs. The like, yeah. Aside from what that tells you about Labour, I mean, just like Dutton's. Every time he fucking opens his mouth these days, it's yeah. it's just out and out like very Far fascist right rhetoric. Shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of which, the other thing I wanted to touch on was mm. that the New Zealand Royal Commission into the Christchurch mosque shooting has been hand- has handed down its report. Right. Um, the uh, the commission found that the New Zealand security agencies were focused quote almost exclusively. On Islamic, on Islamist terrorist threats, but also said that even if they weren't, they wouldn't have been able to stop the attack. Which is, yeah. So I've got a quote here from the Islamic Women's Council of New Zealand. There are multiple areas of evidence that have not been investigated, and questions raised by the Inter- Islamic Women's Council of New Zealand have been ignored. We find it concerning that the commission has found systemic failures and an inappropriate concentration of resources towards Islamic terrorism and yet state that these would not have made a difference to the terrorist being detected prior to the event. Which, yeah, that, that it is weird. Right. Yeah. Um, the report also found that the shooter was radicalized online while living in Australia and largely via YouTube. So, mm. you know, we know that he was involved with several white supremacist groups in Australia, mm-hmm. you know, on- online for the most part, uh, including the now defunct United Patriots Front, which was uh, headed at the time by Blair Cottrell, um, who is high in the running for biggest piece of shit mm-hmm. in Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, the shooter also had interactions with the Lad Society, which is run by another white supremacist in Australia, Tom Sewell. And both of those guys, Blair Cottrell and Tom Sewell, are still big names in the Patriot mm. movement here in Australia. Um, so they're, they're still out there running this game. Uh, also, 
the shooter believed in the Great Replacement, a white supremacist conspiracy theory, and one of the most famous explanations of this theory was a now-deleted YouTube video by racist grifter Lauren Southern, Mm. who was recently hired by actually somehow allowed to exist current affairs channel (laughs) Sky News. They're literally hiring white supremacist YouTubers. Like, it's fucking wild and yeah the report found that the U- that youtube was a huge radicalizing influence mm. on the shooter um and so basically like all of the ingredients that produced the Christ- christchurch shooter are still present in australia an active white supremacist movement yeah. here the legitimization of white supremacists by the mainstream media a turbocharged radicalization pipeline via the internet mostly on youtube and a political establishment that refuses to acknowledge white supremacist extremism as a threat and an attendant security apparatus that is so focused on brown people that is mm. unable to see the looming threat of white supremacist terrorism and all of these institutions make this country a fucking breeding ground for people like the Christchurch shooter. And if you ask me, you know, like none of them have course corrected over the last couple no. of years. And I th- they've all and got like, fucking blood on their hands for helping produce this guy. Just thinking as well about Peter Dutton, like earlier this year, I think it was earlier this year, when he was talking about how, like, ASIO released a report basically being like, white supremacist terrorism is a, is a huge threat. They're the main <laughs> threat. And he was like, yep, that's right. It's leftist Islamist terrorists, all right. And someone was yep. like, actually, that's the opposite of what the report says. And he was like, no, those people are leftists. You can tell because they're terrorists, um, basically, was his logic. was like, well, if, if they're doing bad stuff, that counts as leftism. So no, actually. And like... Yeah. Um, no, I mean, he's like... And here's the thing where it's... You have to make, I guess, a delineation between Peter Dutton's politics and his press conferences and the actual actions of the security apparatus, which mm. obviously are like still deeply, deeply fucking racist. But I think that Less ASIO like... has a, a like, even though like they're, yeah. they're not as, they're not ignoring like white supremacist extremism as much as Peter Dutton is, who is like totally. refuses to acknowledge it basically. Yeah. Um, but that said, I was reading uh, and I'm pretty sure that this is true, that basic, there is no uh, active white supremacist organization listed as like a terror threat in sure. Australia, even though there are active branches of white supremacist terror organizations that are yeah. listed as threats in the United States and Britain. They have... Hammer heads and all the others. Yeah. yeah. Adam Waffen, like yeah. they're here in Australia, but they're not listed like officially as threats. Yeah, and wow. So, yeah, no, I mean like... We're completely fucking unprepared for it because we're unwilling to recognize its existence. Like mm, our politicians mm. and our um, security agencies, they're just incapable of seeing it. All right, should we move on to our Corona news? Hey, man, I got some more beers. Oh, uh, I don't know if I can drink anymore. I'm feeling kind of sick. No, come on, we're having another round of Coronas. Yeah, so um, yeah. the n- news this week is about vaccines. Just a real quick one. Um, Vaccines being rolled out around the world is very exciting. Um, the UK has started giving the Pfizer vaccine to uh, high-risk categories of people, so healthcare workers, elderly people, and obese people. Um, there are some people getting allergic reactions, but that's very normal for, like, for shots. I had an allergic reaction to the pertussis vaccine when I was young, and like, that's not because the vaccine was bad. I just like was allergic to it. That's just a normal thing that happens. Allergies happen. Yeah, and they've they've given out like tens of thousands, and like you know. 
10 people have got it. And like, that's the kind of percentage that you'd expect to get an allergic reaction. So anyway, yep. So that's cool. Um, It's obviously like a green flag for the conspiracy theorists to be like, oh, sure would be a shame if a vaccine had a a 2% sickness rate because that would make it as bad as the disease or whatever. Anyway, so (laughs) whatever the fuck. Uh, In Russia, they're distributing the Sputnik V vaccine, which... Funny, cool they call it. it Sputnik, but yep. Uh, it, I, I hey, guess it's... Sputnik was a very successful satellite. That is true. Uh, yeah, and in China, they've got uh, about five different domestically developed vaccines that are beginning to be rolled out that probably mm. won't end up being approved. Most of them probably won't end up being approved in Australia, but some of them might. Um, and there's a, there's a bunch of others. Uh, there was one in the uh, University of Queensland was developing a vaccine which has now, that research has been basically discontinued because it was shown to be very effective, but it caused really high rates of false positives for HIV. Um, Apparently there are two main tests for HIV, and one of them, the less accurate one, this vaccine caused false positives for HIV on that test, but not on the other one. And to be clear, it doesn't give people HIV. It means there's antibodies in their blood that look like HIV to this test. And so the government and... Some people have said the the researchers wanted to continue, and other people said that they agreed that this was a big enough flaw to discontinue the research. Um, but the government has basically been like, "No, we're not interested in that vaccine. Stop, stop doing that one." Right. Um, there was a bit right. of discourse in Ospol shitposting, uh, the Facebook group of which we are the official podcast, uh, about whether or not this is like homophobic, or whether or not a false positive for HIV is a good enough reason to discontinue it. I, I don't really have a strong feeling about that one way or the other. I don't know about vaccines. I don't know about HIV or public health information campaigns. So, yeah. Uh, but anyway, that's that's something that happened. And Australia does actually have several deals with several different companies, including Pfizer and um, the Oxford AstraZeneca team to buy tens of millions of doses should those vaccines pass Australian safety regulations, which it looks like they probably will in the next month or so. Um, and they'll wow, start okay. being rolled out early next year. Wow, there you go. That is good. That is good news. Yeah. That that was going to be our positivity corner, but then we have a different positivity corner. Yeah, we do. Positivity corner. So, four people seeking asylum in Australia have become the first people brought here under Medivac legislation to be granted visas. Um, And this looks pretty good for Mm. the other people who are brought here under Medivac. There's almost 200 of them. Uh, one of the migration agents representing one of the people who were granted a visa thinks that it could set a precedent. And they reckon that the government issued a visa to the person that she was representing in order to avoid a loss in court. So hopefully this means a cool. lot more of these people who um, are being uh, imprisoned by the government uh, will be getting re- uh, visas very soon. One of these first four people who was freed is a man named Farhad Bandesh who had been imprisoned by the Australian government for about eight years. He was locked up on Manus for some of that time and was medevac to mainland Australia last year. And I just wanted to play a a clip from a video of his release, like his first moments stepping outside of the immigration detention system and uh, what he had to say. I believe we all people burn free. As a human, we need to be free. And I don't understand why we should uh, be in between wires and fences for eight years. We committed no crime. We are people seeking safety and freedom. And the reason I am outside 
it's because of the people, the wonderful people who support me and fight for my freedom. And I would appreciate these people. And it's something is not forget. I love you all. Uh, it's just, I don't know. I guess, I guess I feel this is maybe my own shit coming up here, but I find it so upsetting when people are like happy and kind hearted and thankful in horrifying situations like obviously like this is you know he's been released so it makes sense that he's happy but like that he's like so grateful to the people who helped him and like has just got clearly such a big heart and like yeah. these are the people that we're fucking torturing yeah for, it's for trying it's, to have a life you know like ugh. yeah it's it's fucking despicable mm. um but you know he's gotten his moment of freedom and hopefully there'll be many more to come. Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, we want to move on to shit post of the week, but first we've got a shit post of the week of our heart. Oh. And this one goes to multiple shit post winner Travis DeVries, uh, who made a, a delightful low effort meme, which has Pauline Hansen wearing a abstract avant garde gown jacket thing it's uh, definitely a choice it is a choice it doesn't look awful honestly like i don't think she's rocking it but like whatever it's 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 a choice uh it's a choice. And, and uh on it the text is on wednesdays we wear pink and then where pink is crossed out and it says erase rights uh, which is obviously a uh, another Mean Girls reference on Wednesdays We Wear Pink. Uh, but it's it's also a reference to something Pauline Hansen said in the Senate this week on Wednesday. She was talking about the Indu cashless welfare card, which uh, is the topic about our mains, and I'll talk about more in a sec. But she said this, It's not about talking about a person's rights. When you go in this card, you basically lose your rights as well. When you go in the welfare system, you've lost your rights. Which, from someone else, might be a condemnation of the welfare system, but she's actually saying, like, suck it up and you don't deserve rights because you're the scum of the earth on welfare um and just a that's oh my god it's it's pretty funny how easily it could be read in either way but anyway um so villainous it really is especially considering that like a lot of the people who vote for her are not super well off and are on welfare anyway um I just want to give a related shout-out to Lydia Thorpe, uh, who basically pretended to forget Pauline Hansen's name in Parliament, which was pretty funny. Um, d- we don't really like giving huge shout-outs for, like, silly parliamentary shenanigans, but, you know, uh, l- you know, Lydia was on our show. She's she's good. Pauline sucks. It, it was a good little <laughs> moment of being rude. <laughs> yeah, good on you. That's why you come to us for hard-hitting political analysis. Speaking of which, now it is time for Shitpost of the Week. So this week, Shitpost of the Week is going to see more, uh, who posted some tasty original content in the OzPol Shitposting Facebook group. Uh, and this was a, a Simpsons meme. It's the one where uh, King Size Homer, I think it's called, where um, he deliberately becomes obese so that he can work from home, which, you know, in 2020... Uh, Sort of maybe that, that didn't age so well in some level, but um, uh, and he discovers that all he has to do is press the yes button, and so he gets one of those little like toy birds that like you know keeps like swinging down. You put on you put it on the edge of a water glass, and it like it looks like it's drinking. It's got a little mechanism where yeah, it, like taps. 
and he's just got it tapping the button for him because yep. he's so lazy. Uh, and then he comes back and discovers that it's fallen over. Uh, and the the bird here <laughs> fallen over is labeled Center Alliance. And then the next <laughs> shot is like Homer looking worried at the at the computer screen, and it says, "Situation critical." Indu card imminent or like they photoshopped the Indu card over like meltdown or whatever uh so it's it i love the shonky edit here it's it's extremely good um yeah quality shit so yes this is about the Indu welfare card scheme which we've talked about before um but on thursday the senate debated extending the trial of this card scheme so um essentially the card keeps 80 percent of someone's welfare in a like special account that can't be taken out as cash and can only be spent at certain pre-approved stores um and so and it's fucked Yes, it is deeply fucked. Uh, yeah, uh, the people who support it claim that it's to stop people spending money on drugs, alcohol, and gambling, uh, which, of course, rich people are allowed to do, but poor people, no drugs, alcohol, gambling allowed. Um, and according, oh, and there's definitely no way that anybody could like participate in those economies, like skirting around the law. Nope, I'm sure this will just absolutely that will stop everybody's need for fulfilling any of those things. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, according to former Center Alliance Senator Rex Patrick, quote, we do not have empirical data, any definitive data set that would guide us as to whether or not it actually does achieve those particular objectives. Uh, and indeed, people Poli- who... Pol- politicians' way of saying... This, this doesn't work. This does not work. Yeah. Uh, and so people who oppose the card, including, oh, Amnesty International, say that it's racist, ineffective, <laughs> entrenches poverty, and is punitive, demeaning, and dehumanizing. Uh but, I mean, what would Amnesty know, right? Um, so, this card is racist for all the same systemic reasons that all welfare policies are racist, which is that they disproportionately affect people of colour, and in particular, First Nations people. Uh, but also, this card is, like, especially specifically racist because it's been deliberately rolled out in these four tests uh, locations, which are very, very largely Indigenous. Um, so, in these four areas, 82%... 76%, 48%, and 18% of the people on these cards are indigenous in each of these four locations. Mm. And so, like... Fucking shocking. I mean, it's not... It's not surprising, but it's fucking shocking. Agreed, yeah. Uh, and just, by the way, listeners, like, if you're, like, sure, 86%, 70... Sorry, 82% and 76%, that's high, but, like, 18%, it's not a particularly large demographic or whatever remember that first nations people make up 3.3 percent of the total australian population so in bundaberg that location with the 18 percent of first nations people on the card that's still about six times more indigenous people on that card than the country's average so this card is very deliberately and explicitly targeted at indigenous people and indeed one of the things that proponents of it say is that it will stop humbugging which i know if you know about that or zach or listeners but no i haven't heard that term so it uh i feel kind of uncomfortable describing it as a white guy because i'm not like deeply familiar with it but basically it's this term for like family members coming to someone with money and being like i I want some money um and there's lots of different ways that humbugging happens and it can be a really destructive social dynamic in a community if like one person has a job and then a bunch of the right. other people in their family don't or whatever. So uh, the fact that being like, oh, this card means they can't get cash out, so they can't get humbugged or whatever, is like, right, so you are explicitly aiming this at Indigenous people, is what you're telling us. So, yeah. Jesus Christ. 
But also, it's this like th- that's exactly the same completely backwards logic as like of, of the card itself, of, right? And, like, we'll stop people doing all of these things that like have their roots in all kinds of various forms of like social it's, disadvantage. But like you come, you're coming at it from the wrong end. It's right down at the at very it, end of the like series of events that leads to this behavior, and they're like, "Oh, we will make it exactly. inconvenient for this behavior to continue without addressing any of the causes of it." Yeah, completely wrong-headed, yep. like very casual and very casual approach to problem solving. You do nothing about the underlying social causes. You just punish people who are trying to survive to manage it after yeah. having been subjected to these con- conditions. Yeah. yeah. Well, the bill before the Senate on Thursday sought to extend the trial by two years. Uh, originally, it was going to expand it both in terms of numbers of people and geographical location. So uh, specifically, it would be expanded all across the Northern Territory, which is to say even more directly aimed at First Nations people because a third of the population is Indigenous 10 times the national average. Um, but eventually, it got passed after some amendments that uh, got rid of those types of expansion. So it's basically just going to be extended for two years without being massively expanded. It will be slightly right. expanded, so it's going to, um, if people want to opt in, they can. Um, and it's also going to expand funding for like rolling out the, the infrastructure that makes the card function, basically. So they're going to continue making it easy to roll out elsewhere in case they manage to get the numbers to pass it fully with these, you know, expansions. Great. So the Centre Reliance, who listeners probably remember as the Nick Xenophon team, uh, have been fairly against the I'm card. Sure that, I reckon people have probably forgotten about Nick Xenophon team. That's funny. To be honest. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> ah, okay, yeah. well, the Centre Reliance. Definitely sent, they're just, they've always been Centre Reliance to me. Yeah, right. Uh, well, they they've been like kind of against it. So they have one upper house and one lower house member, and then in 2019 their lower house member, Rebecca Sharkey, who's their welfare spokesperson, said, I'm pretty reluctant to do more with the cashless debit card until we know whether it's working. And as per Rex Patrick, who's the senator for South Australia, who used to be a member of the Centre Alliance, but then quit. Like, he got in as a Centre Alliance senator and then left the party. As he said, it's... that doing a uh, Palmer United party. Exactly, yeah. yeah. He, he pulled a, a D.O. Wang. Um... <laughs> But uh, uh, as as he pointed out, it is not working. We do know whether or not it's working, and it's it's not. The answer is no, it's not. Yeah. Uh, well, but, it de- depending on what you think r- the purpose r- right. of Right, if it's is. intended to punish people for being poor and black, then it probably is working. It's working perfectly as, as intended, yeah. yes. So late on Thursday night, uh, Centre Alliance Senator Sterling Griff abstained from the vote, breaking the deadlock and letting the coalition pass the bill 34 to 33. Um, and the Greens have accused him of, like, a backroom deal. So uh, Green Senator Rachel Seward said, This is a shameful, dirty deal. It's heartbreaking and unforgivable. Centre Alliance have hoodwinked and misled the people of South Australia and those on the cashless debit card. They've assured voters for weeks now that they would not support this racist, punitive bill, and tonight they flipped on that promise, devastating thousands. And look, I am... What a fucking craven way to do it as well. Right, abstaining. You didn't even vote for it. Yeah, you, you did. Couldn't even motherfucker couldn't even be in the chamber for it. And like, there's a bunch of funny articles that were like he also didn't show up at all the next day to talk to media. Uh, but he he did eventually. I read a quote from him in a sec. But look, to be fair, and obviously, I think this was a fucked thing for him to do. So fuck you, Sterling Griff. But to be fair, I don't actually think the Centre Alliance did anything that looked to me like they were quote assuring voters for weeks now that they would not support this bill. Um, so I think that might be 
Rachel Suet um, trying to spin things. Uh, it is heartbreaking and unforgivable, but I'm I mean, not you sure did they... say that Rebecca Schalke had been like. Uh, at the start of last I, year, she was like, good. I'm reluctant to support it much more. But, like, I don't know if that's assuring them for weeks that they won't support the bill. Sure. I mean, maybe there's been press conferences that I, I didn't see or whatever, but I looked through their Twitter and their press releases, and it all looked pretty much like, eh, we're not big fans, but eh. And indeed, Sterling Griff did eventually front the media. Um, uh, the New Daily has been doing a lot of reporting about this. They've written, like, they've had four or five really good articles, um, including one where they finally got to talk to Sterling Griff. And he said basically that he didn't like the original legislation and was fine with it after the amendments were passed. So he said this. We went to government a few weeks ago and said, we're not going to support it no matter what. We don't support permanency and we're opposed to that bill. But if uh, they continue the trial and do do all the things they didn't do and didn't lock it in the NT, we'd be okay with it. So that's very confusing, but that's what he said. Um, but basically he meant like he didn't want the bill to make the cashless welfare card permanent. It, it, and it's not, it's yeah. only a two year extension. Uh, he didn't want it expanded to the 20,000 new people and all over the Northern Territory and a couple of other things that, yeah, the amendments got rid of those things. And then he was like, eh, fine. So, the upshot of all of this is that the Centre Alliance are very well named. They're wishy-washy flip-flabs. Uh, I mentioned flip-flabs earlier, but I don't feel like we've we've really talked about that a whole lot on the show. This is an Ozpol shitposting original meme from friend of the show, confidant, member of our inner sanctum, Coot Kootel. Uh, but, like, we have a flib party and a flab party. We don't need your combo flib and flab all in one centre <laughs> flip-flab alliance, you know? Uh, just, you literally stand for nothing. Like what? Like you didn't even stand like, for a bad thing. Yeah, uh, no, I mean, and this is like I can understand why you know Rachel Seward and other people who have been fighting against this mm. card, which is just so like, transparently evil. It's so transparently evil, and like it's just one of these things that it, it's this perfect storm in a way of like legislation that is like very directly targetedly racist mm. and targetedly punitive against poor people and also labor is voting against it yeah and so you there's actually a little bit of there's there, there's some tension about it what is this going to get passed or not it comes mm. down to the crossbench mm. you, not that many important pieces of legislation I ultimately like come yeah. down to that um mm. and so there was hope there was a glimmer of hope you like you have this situation. We've got just one of the absolutely most awful pieces of legislation that have been that has been that has come across come through Parliament this year, and you have an actual opportunity to so stop it. You, there's it only happen, a couple yeah. of people you need to convince, and then for it to pass in this fashion, where the like they the Centre Alliance people clearly don't give anywhere near as much of a fu- like. They clearly barely give a fuck about this either way. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, they're not in support of the legislation. They just didn't stand against it. Yep. And for it to happen in such a pathetic way, it's just like, wow, everything's broken. Everything's fucked. Like it's <laughs> that's the real like. Yep. This was a, a, a an absolutely heartbreaking moment in like Australian politics. I think. And yeah. I think a lot of people are taking it that way because the reality on the ground is that this is just going to cause so much pain. And behind it, you've got uh, just a, a couple of cowards who have absolved themselves of responsibility for mm, this. Mm. 
they take no responsibility for the harm that they have done. And it's just fucking sickening. It makes me want to retch. But I like the meme. The meme's good. The meme was good. Yeah. Well, that's that's basically all I have for this story. Um, the bill will go back to the lower house, uh, I think, early next year, and it will pass because the government has a majority in the lower house. Um, so the card is going to be extended for two more years. It's not going to be expanded, as, as I discussed, but, like, surely they'll try again soon. Um, yeah, this has to be a stepping stone towards yeah. expansion and permanency. That's the only reason they're doing this. Right, they right. wouldn't be extending the trial if they were paying attention to what the effects are on the ground. Yep. If their goal was to actually improve the lives of people who are on welfare, obviously their goal is to punish them. Yeah. So that's why this is being pushed ahead with, despite all this evidence saying that it makes people's lives materially fucking worse. Which is just like obvious if you thought about the function of the card anyway. But yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's very apparent. Like it never, you know, it never would have been trialed if mm. the goal was to make life better for mm. people. But instead it's, it's this uh, patriarchal colonialism, and the person who spearheaded the whole fucking project was Twiggy Forrest. Mm, mm. Yeah, I didn't even talk about him and his whole involvement in this thing. We, we've, we've covered him before, so listeners, yeah. you, you can go back and, and find... Yeah, Forrest of Twiglets, I believe, was the episode, but Jesus Christ, he's a bad person. And Yeah, I mean, you know, Center Alliance are spineless sponges, but, like... Twiggy Forest is actively probably one of the most colonial people Currently in, Australia alive in Australia on a day-to-day -day yeah. basis. Yeah. yeah, in terms of the way that he, like, the amount of power that he wields, the and people the that, fact he's, that he uses it to actively yeah, encourage cultural genocide and colonialism. Yeah, and like to or con continuously actively try to control the lives of First mm. Nations people. Yeah. All right, well... Someone needs to do something about that guy. Anyway. Hazio. Um, there will be lots more um, campaigning around this this card as the you know the rollout continues. And, uh, and uh, as we said, we're sure that more le legislation expanding it and making it more permanent will come down the line. And the Australian Unemployed Workers Union and Victorian Socialists uh, and also the Greens, primarily Rachel Seward, have been like doing really good advocacy and mm -hmm. activism around this. And, you know, they didn't get it over the line this time, but it was a fucking close thing. Yeah. It was a really close thing. So I think that there is, you know, there's an appetite for overturning this shit in future. I think it's on a knife's edge. You know, yeah. you've got labor yeah. on side. It's doable. So, you know, I don't think it's the end of the story. I know I was sounding very negative before, but I just wanted to say that, yeah, it's it's not a lose-all-hope moment, even yep. though it's deeply fucking heartbreaking. All right, well, that's the end of our news for this week. Um, thank you all so much for listening and tuning in. Um, please like us on Facebook. Uh, please like our posts, because that actually helps a whole lot. Um, go like our Ospolship posting posts. Find us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, we had 500 followers on Twitter, which is nice. That's lovely. Thank you Thank so much. Thank you very much for everybody who followed in the last week. We appreciate it. Um, please tweet us Ozpol things. Um, and also, uh, please leave us ratings and reviews. Uh, reviews on Apple Podcasts make a huge difference to like our where we are in the charts. Like Actually, just getting listens is less significant than getting reviews. So it would mean a lot if you could do that. 
Um, put and us on repeat on Spotify when you go to bed. Just put it on, put it on mute, mute. and uh, you know, let it let run it in roll. the background. Yeah, game the system, baby. Juke the stats. It's the only way we're gonna get past, get 50. above number fifty-two, number forty-seven, twenty twenty-one. Here, here we come. Forty-seven twenty-one. Ospol Snackpod. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, if and if you really like what we do and you want to support us financially, you can do so over on Patreon, um, patreon.com slash OzPulseSnackPod. You can support us for as little as one US dollar a month, which gets you a monthly bonus episode, uh, plus some other cool stuff, especially if you give us a few more dollars. Um, and also at this point, I just wanted to say that we are, for the first time ever in OzPulseSnackPod history, taking a holiday. We are going to take we, a two-week break. No. We didn't. We pre-recorded right. a bunch of episodes yeah, yeah. and released them while, like, we while we're we both holiday. took right. holidays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we didn't but the... stop releasing it fresh, new, hot, crunchy content for true, the fans. True. Uh, which is what we are going to do this year because it's been an extremely intense couple of months for me yeah. personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes you just need to have a break. And so uh, next week is going to be our last episode for the year, and I think we're going to do kind of like a meme and review sort of situation that's the plan but we'll see how we go <laughs> yeah um and then we're going to be off for two weeks so the week of christmas and the first week of next year we're not going to be releasing new content uh and we'll be back to our regular programming in the second week of next year i don't know what the date is but you, you guys can yeah. figure it out we will be putting another bonus episode this month for patreon supporters so if you want a little bit more i suppose snack pot over the holidays and you haven't signed up yet that's where you can go and get a little bit more Zach and Noon. Uh, so that's the end of the business. Um, and to finish the show this week, uh, we wanted to mention uh, a really awful and, and tragic thing that's happened in our community here um, in Melbourne. Um, we just want to issue a content warning. We're going to be discussing the death of a trans person. Listeners of the show may have heard that uh, a young woman named Bridget Flack has been missing for over a week. And as of time of recording, last night, the body of a woman was discovered in the area that she was reported missing in. Uh, It hasn't been officially confirmed at this stage that it's Bridget, but it looks quite likely that it is her. Um, Bridget was... Uh, a part of our community. She was mm. a staunch communist um, and, you know, was part of many online leftist spaces. And uh, she was a DJ who played at uh, feminist events as well. Mm. Um, and she was trans. So her loss is um, especially heartbreaking and tragic for the queer community and the trans community specifically yeah it it's yeah absolutely heartbreaking and i know a lot of our listeners knew her personally and um so i i want to offer my sympathy and, and condolences and sorrow to her friends and her family and her community um we weren't really sure how to talk about this and um yeah, but it, it felt important. We wanted to spend some time with with Bridget and with this horrible news. Um, and uh, a friend of hers has said that 
um, that Bridget once told them that um, if anything happened to her, she wanted people to read her writing, um, which um, we thought that we might each read just a short piece from her blog, which is called Broken Machines at um, things I don't really mean wordpress.com. Um, and yeah, we've, we've both read through a few and it's some really beautiful writing and we both, yeah, thought we would each read uh, a short piece that Bridget wrote um, to... Yeah. To just remember her. Yeah. Um, so this one is called Like Listener But Wussy, and it's from November, just about a month ago. Living with volatile BPD is kind of like living in a house that, that's constantly on fire, that never burns down or goes out. When people come over, they're normally pretty nice about the fire, but maybe they'll ask you out of curiosity if you know how to put it out. You'll give them a detailed breakdown of the source of the fire, your theories about why it's still burning, some charts and graphs about how professional firefighters handle their fires, and maybe even an amateur treatise on the physics behind house fires. They'll take all that in, nod politely, and then ask if you're going to put the fire out, at which point you'll notice that you've put all your notes down on the floor and now they're on fire too, and the jug you're using to douse them is full of kerosene. You'll smile a bit embarrassed, tint your fingers on the table, Look sheepishly at the curtains you hung last Thursday, spreading flames across the replastered ceiling. Yeah, you'll see. I get that a lot. And I wanted to read this piece um, called Nothing to Fear, which is also from November this year. Try to find a private spot to piss on Churchill Avenue. I guarantee you can't. Suburbia is designed for reflexive surveillance, because everything that happens on purpose is meant to hurt people. You will only find relief in this world in the gaps between intentions. Um, so we will put some uh, mental health support resources in the show notes. Um, if uh, you feel like you need to talk to somebody about this or you need help getting through it, um, uh, yeah, we'll put some, some links for places to go where you can uh, find people to talk to. Um, and yeah, we, we, uh, you know, sending, uh, all our love and support to Bridget's friends and family and communities. Um, and, uh, and, and we'll finish the show there. <laughs> 